0: have your Bibles, why don't you turn to 2 Kings 23, 2 Kings 23, if you're wondering where 2 Kings is, 2 Kings is in the Old Testament, sort of in the middle of the Old Testament, there's 1 Kings and then there's 2 Kings, we're going to be in 2 Kings today, chapter 23, we're going be looking at the first few verses of chapter 23 of 2 Kings, and praise God, how many of us know that 2018, we have a theme here at Thrive Church, it's called Expand Your Territory, everyone say, Expand Your Territory. And what do we mean when we say expand your territory? Is that when we say expand your territory, we mean it in two ways. The first way we mean it is that expand your territory is a prayer to God. It's us saying to God, God, expand your territory in me. I don't want to keep being the same person that I used to be. You know, do the work that only you can do, God, in my home, in my heart, in my work, in my school, in my city, in me, in my thoughts, in my relationships, with my kids, in my marriage. Do the work that only you can do. Let your kingdom come. Expand your territory in me. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. That's the first way we mean expand your territory. But there's a second way. When we talk about expand your territory, we also mean it's a way to energize how you live life in 2018. Expand your territory means I'm not going to live life the way I used to live it. I'm not going to live it all in fear and worry and doubt and anxiety, but I'm going to live 2018 with faith, believing that the best is not behind me, but the best is yet to come. Amen. And when you say expand your territory, it's saying, you know, I'm not just going to live for myself, for my own desires, my own dreams, my own comfort, my own convenience, but I'm going to live my life for a purpose that is bigger than me. I'm not going to live just to be blessed, but I'm going to be blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to live outside of my bubble, live outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to take risks and dream dreams that maybe I've never done before because I want God to expand me and my territory. It's about expanding your life, expanding your mind, expanding your love for God, expanding your love for people. It's about expanding your territory. Come on, if you believe that God wants to expand your territory in 2018, give him a big, big, big hand in this place right now. It's time to expand your territory. Turn to your neighbor and say, expand your territory awesome. This morning, I'm here to share with you a message that is hugely important. If you want to see God expand your territory in 2018, and the message I'm here to share with you is called Revival Road. Revival Road. Revival Road might sound like an ice cream flavor. Can I get a scoop of Revival Road, please? Or it might sound like a song, you know, Revival Road, like, like, you know, like some kind of rock band song. But the fact is this Revival is a word that you will sometimes hear spoken in churches among Christians. But what exactly is revival? Why don't you write this down? What is revival? Revival is a spiritual awakening that takes place in a group of people. It's a it's an awakening spiritual that happens in either a family or a home or in a church or a city or even a country. And when we talk about revival, what we mean is this: is that where there is revival, people become more passionate about worshiping God. Where there's revival, people become more focused on pleasing God. When, when there's revival, people are more inclined to, to confess their sins and admit their mistakes and to seek God's help. Where there's revival, people are more courageous to share Jesus with others. Where there's revival, there are better, healthier relationships. Where there is where, where there's revival, there's a sense of joy and hope in your life, a sense of God's presence pervading your life relationships become healthier and happier where there is revival everyone say revival and revival sometimes starts in very small ways, but it can grow to change your entire life and it can grow to change even entire communities. You know, recently a, a, a woman in an, uh, you know wrote me and my, my wife, Pastor Charlene, a letter, a very nice letter. And she just said, you know, I, I just wanna thank you guys because ever since my son started coming to Thrive Church, God has touched his life. And the way he interacts with his family is no longer the same. He's so much more loving, considerate, and thoughtful, he's a lot more mature. He has this longing to bring people to Jesus. And this, this is not a christian uh she's not a christian but she's like she has, he has this long to bring people to jesus and i think i'm going to come to your church one day See, that, that's, that's revival happening in one person's life. And here's the thing. Deep down, every one of us, whether we know it or not, whether we admit it or not, is that each one of us longs for revival in some way. We want a sense of God's presence in our lives. We want a sense of God's hope and confidence and joy in our lives. We want our relationships to be healthier and happier. We want to live lives where we are pleasing God and worshiping him passionately. We want to be people who are humble, who admit our mistakes, we want to be courageous and share Jesus with others. Deep down inside, I mean, every single one of us wants a revival of some sort. Now, how do you get that? I'm here to tell you today in 2018 that perhaps more than anything else in your life today, more than you know, a new girlfriend or boyfriend, more than a new job, more than moving to a new city, that what you need more than anything else in life in 2018 is what you need is a revival. You need a spiritual awakening that's going to cause you to worship God like never before. It's going to cause you to want to live for him and please him like never before. It's going to cause you to do relationships differently in a healthier way. And so if you are grieving the loss of a loved one today, or you are you know, looking for direction because you just feel lost about the future, or you feel really depressed about life right now, or you just feel really unmotivated and lazy when it comes to the stuff you're doing right now, if you're struggling with a secret addiction or temptation or struggle in your life, if your marriage is falling apart, if your kids are not walking with God or not as close to God as you want them to be, if your workplace is full of gossip and backbiting, you know what you need more than anything else? What you need is revival if you believe that say amen and see i want to tell you today how do you experience revival how do you get on revival road we're going to talk about that this morning i want to start by telling you this you can write this down revival often starts with god working in one individual before god impacts a group before god impacts a church before god impacts a city he usually starts with one person you in the late 1800s early 1900s there was an evangelist called rodney smith rodney smith he traveled the world preaching on every continent where he pre- wherever he preached revival just spiritual awakening just tended to break out and and see one day there's a group of people Who came up to rodney smith and they said pastor smith we desperately want revival in our area and it is so dry it is so dead what can we do how do we get revival and you know what rodney smith said pastor smith said this he reportedly said go home lock yourself in your bedrooms take a piece of chalk and draw a circle on the floor and i want you to kneel in that circle and pray fervently that God would start a revival in that circle. What is he saying? Is that revival doesn't begin with you saying, God changed my wife, or God changed my boss, or God changed the circumstances around me. Revival begins with me. It begins with the individual. Turn around and say, it begins with me. And see today, because revival begins with the individual, we're going to look at one individual whom God used in a powerful way to usher revival, not just for himself and not just for his family, but in fact for an entire nation. His name is Josiah. Josiah, in approximately about 640 B.C., about 640 years before Jesus walked this earth, at the age of just eight years old, Josiah becomes the king of the nation of Judah. A nation whose calling, whose destiny, whose origin was all about worshiping Yahweh, worshiping Jehovah, the Lord. But for some reason, over several generations, through the leadership of some good kings, but, a leadership of, but through the leadership of a lot of bad kings, this this, this group called the nation of Judah would you know, get close to God and go, far away from him get close to God and go far away from him and and, you know at the time when Josiah takes the throne of the nation of Judah you got to understand what's going on is that Josiah was born into a nation that was a mess at that time see Josiah's father his name is Manasseh and King Manasseh he was a passionate idol worshipper. He was the one who single-handedly would arrange for shrines and altars and sites to be built in the nation of Judah so that people could worship other gods from other nations. And, uh, you know, some of these religions that would start coming in because of Manasseh's introduction would do some horrible things in the nation. You know, there was one one foreign god that was worshipped by the Ammonites. It was called Molech. And Molech, the, the worship of Molech was famous for child Sacrifice. You know what they would do? They would have this statue, this huge statue of Moloch, this very kind of demon-looking statue. And, and it would be standing there with big arms this way, and in front of the statue, they would build a huge pit. And in front of the pit, what they would do is they would, inside the pit, they would build a huge bonfire. The largest fire you've ever seen, just a huge wildfire is inside the pit. And what they would do is, because they believed that Moloch was a god of prosperity, and so they thought, you know what, what we're going to do is you, we're going we're to we're child sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice infants and babies to Moloch in the hopes that he's going to bless us financially. And so what they would do is that they would put these babies, these infants, into the hands of the statue Molech. And then the fire would grill and burn these babies alive. That was the worship of Moloch, and what they would do is they would play these big drums, <speaking in> so as to drown out the cries of these babies as they're being burned to death as a child sacrifice. This is the kind of stuff that Manasseh, Josiah's dad, had introduced into the land of Judah. And so Josiah, at eight years old, he, he, his dad is dead, and he's now forced to become the king. And what happens with Manasseh? What, well, he dies, but before Before he dies, you know what he does? He sacrifices Josiah's brother in the fire. And so Josiah actually had a brother who died in the fire, who was a a victim of child sacrifice. And Josiah, he had seen how idolatry had messed up his dad, driven him to insanity. He saw how his brother was killed because of these idolatrous practices. And so at a very young age, Josiah decides, I'm not gonna live that way i'm not going to take on this faith that my dad has i'm going to do things differently look at second chronicles 34 3 with me these are the first words that the bible speaks about josiah read it with me what does it say it says in the eighth year of his reign while he was still young josiah began to seek the god of his father david and see, in his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Go back. Go back to, you know, the first part of verse 3. Just go back one. That says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young. If you have your Bibles in front of you, why don't you underline those words, while he was still young. Turn to your neighbor and say, while he was still young. See, here's the thing. What's the lesson here? Is that, you know, one of the best things that you can do as a young person and I'm talking to all of you because all of you are young. One of the best things that you can do as a young person is to seek the Lord when you're young. And I'm telling you, all of you guys are young. Here at Thrive Church, we only have three ages. There's 8, 18, and 28, all right? No matter how old you are, you either fit into 8-year-old, 18-year-old, or 28-year-old categories. And so I'm, I'm quite a bit older than 28, but praise God, I still fit under 28. And because we, we believe here at Thrive, every person is young. So a person can give them a high five and say, you look really young.
1: yes. Yes.
0: Yes, some of you guys need to uh, believe that by faith, for sure. But, but here's, here's the thing, is that while Josiah was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his father. I'm here to tell you today, while you are still young, seek the Lord your God. Because if you wait until tomorrow, if you wait until, you know, you're retired, if you wait until you make your money and have your millions, and then you say, then what I'm going I'm to seek God then, you're going to miss the point of your life. We want to seek God while you are still young. If you believe that, say amen. And so I offer you the simple phrase from kids from 1 to 92. The best thing you can do is to seek the Lord when you're young. Merry Christmas to you, okay? That's the thing, is that we need to, whether you're one or 92, we want to seek the Lord when we are young. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And see, here's the thing today, is that today we're looking at the life of Josiah, who sought the Lord when he was young. At eight years old, he becomes king of Judah. At 16 years old, he starts to seek the Lord while he is young. At 26 years old, Josiah begins a campaign to repair the temple of the Lord, where his dad, Manasseh, had brought in so many shrines and altars to worship other gods, turning it into a place which where the, world, where the Lord was not being worshipped And while they are repairing this temple, fixing cracks, fixing pipes, all of a sudden they come across a book that has been lost for a generation. What that book is, is called the book of the law. It is the first five books of your Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the book of the law. It's also called the Pentateuch. And the reason why it was so, you know, such, a, such a, a surprise to see it was because Josiah's father, Manasseh, had made it a point to try to drive out all the worship of God. And so for a generation, people had not seen a Bible. For a generation, people had not seen the book of the law. And when Josiah, he starts to read this book of the law, his heart is moved to tears. He tears his robe, and in an act of mourning, he declares, man, me and my people, we have not been doing what this book of the law requires. And from that point on, Josiah starts to take several steps that help to usher revival in the land of Judah. And we're going to talk about three of them today. If you receive my game-sharing emails every morning, you'll notice I've already talked to you guys this morning about some of them. Today, I want to focus on three more today of steps that Josiah took to usher revival. revival into his land and if you want to see revival in your life if you want to see revival in your home in your workplace in your small group then what you need is to do the same three things we're going to talk about today i call this part how to get on revival road three stops on revival road why don't you write this down number one is this reunite with god's people If you want to get on revival road, the first thing you need to do to experience revival is to get connected with God's people once again. 2 Kings 23, 1-2 says it this way. Read it with a loud voice. 1-2-3 it says, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. Everyone say all the people. See, the king, Josiah, he calls together all of the elders, all the leaders of Jerusalem, all the leaders of Judah. He gets the prophets, the priests. He gets everyone from the least to the greatest, the youngest to the oldest. He gets them all together, gathers them together, and he gets them into church he gets them into christian community he starts to get them to worship god and it's because if you want to experience revival the first thing you need to do is reunite with god's people you know i was speaking with one of our small group members uh who just got baptized earlier today and he was telling me about how uh as a kid he went to church but his family after a while stopped going but still as he got older there was still something in him that that always thought you know i'm i'm gonna go to back to church one day and so a few months ago, not because of any major life circumstance change, but simply because a friend invited him to church, he decided to come and check out uh, the Sweeter Than Honey relationship series that we're doing here at Thrive. And it was during that time that he got reconnected with God and reconnected with God's people and that and he realized what he was missing. And after coming back to church and being reunited with God's people, he decided to get baptized. He, he wrote in his baptism application, he said, because Jesus Christ died for us and sacrificed his life to save us from our sins, it has humbled me and God me back on the right path where life is not about me it's about giving and being of service to others and God and growing his kingdom Jesus has given me renewed hope let's give God a big big hand for that that's really really cool amen and he got baptized earlier today and he wrote you know to me baptism shows that I'm choosing to receive God back into my life it shows that my faith is renewed and that I am a believer if you believe that say amen see what caused revival this this young man's life it was that it all began when he got reunited with God's people he'd been away from church and away from God's people for a while but he got reconnected and as a result something was stirring in his heart revival was starting to happen in his heart and you're gonna find this very often the first sign that a person is coming back to God is they come back to church that's one of the first signs you know one of the first signs that a person is straying from God they stop coming to church it's usually one of the first signs, first indicators of where you're at with God is your commitment to a church. You know, the, the Bible says that the church is a body made of many parts. And, you know, you and I, were all part of that body. If I, you know, say you're a hand. You're a hand in this part of the body. You're a good-looking hand, you know. And, and say I cut that hand or say you cut that hand off the body. Let me ask you this question. What's going to happen to the body? It's going to hurt, right? It's not going to be as effective as it could have been. It's going to find a way to heal and to move on. But what's going to happen to the hand? That hand is going to shrivel up and die. And you're not, after a while, you're not going to be able to find any doctor, any medical practitioner who's going to be able to, to put that hand back to the body again. But how many of us know that God can do the impossible? Amen? And that God can take your life, even if you've been disconnected from the body called the church for a long time, God can take your life and put it back into the body and bring revival to your life to give life to you again so that you start to experience his presence in your life again. You start to experience his purpose in your life again. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place together because that's the stuff that God does. It's about reuniting with God's people. And so if you're here today and it's been a while since you've, come, you've been in church, you know, can I tell you this? I'm so glad that you came. So glad you came. I hope you'll keep on coming. Because if you want to experience God's presence in your life, if you want to experience revival in your life, then it's about first reuniting with the people of God. If you believe that, say amen. If you're not part of a small group yet, get connected with a small group. One of the best things that you can do because it's reuniting with God's people. Turn your neighbor and say, reunite with God's people. Is this helpful in this place this morning? Let me give you number two. The second stop on Revival Road is rediscover God's word. Rediscover God's word. See, wherever revival takes place, whether it's in a person, in a church, in a group, in a city, you know because that person, that church, that group, that city is rediscovering the power of God's word, rediscovering the relevance of God's word, rediscovering the conviction of God's word, rediscovering how wise God's word is. Look at 2 Kings 23 2 with me. Read in a loud voice with me. Help me preach in this place this morning. 1, 2, 3 it says He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Verse 3 it says the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands regulations and decrees with all All his heart, in all his soul. And he says, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book, then all the people pledge themselves to the covenant. What's going on here? Josiah, he's gathered the people of God, he's reuniting the people of God together, and he does one more thing. He starts to read, he starts to take this book of the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and starts to read from the very beginning. He's like, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he says, you know, and and he says, now the earth was formless and empty. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, And he keeps on going, and he goes all the way through every one of those books in the book of the law. And what's going on? People are pledging themselves back to the word of God. They're saying, you know, we want to recommit ourselves to the word of God. What's happening? People are discovering, again, the power of the Word of God. And that's what you're going to find in any revival that happens in your life or in a group or in a church is that when there's revival, there is a rediscovery of how awesome the Word of God is. If you love God's Word, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. I said, if you love God's Word, give God a big, big hand in this place right now. Amen. It's because the power of God is in this. The Word of God is has the power to revive you you know there is something about the word of god that brings life to us that nothing else can you know, sometimes when I turn a, turn the radio on to you know 103.5 or 95.3 or or talk radio, I'll be listening and I'll be you know in, in, interested in some stuff. But then sometimes I'll turn it on to some preaching of the Word of God, and you know what, you know what, the impact that it has on my faith and my heart is totally different. The Word of God has this power to revive you, like Jesus says, a "Man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." Just as God created the heavens and the earth with His word, God can create and recreate Create and revive your life with his word as well. If you believe that, say amen. You, know, ever, you ever received a FedEx pasca- package before? Ever used FedEx to send a package? You know, FedEx was founded by a man called Fred Smith. And uh, he's uh, you know, a very, very wealthy businessman. Uh, no relation to Rodney Smith that I was talking about earlier. But see, Fred Smith, he had a cousin called Earl Smith, who himself was a very wealthy man. Uh, So wealthy that he didn't have to work. When he was a young man at 25 years of age, he basically could retire. He just had enough money for the rest of his life. Yet despite not working, despite his wealth, for some reason he could not find the right woman to marry. Uh, And for some reason there was just this emptiness in his life as a result. And so you know what he did to fulfill or to fill the emptiness in his life? You know what he did? He medicated himself with drugs, increasingly hard drugs, until he was addicted. And when we was in the treatment center, a hospital, because of that addiction, someone came to visit him, and you know what they did, they gave him a New Testament. And Earl was thrilled to receive that New Testament. Do you know why? It's because the paper in that New Testament was thin enough and perfect enough for rolling his own joints. And so he would, he would go, he would, he would take a, he'd rip a piece out of his Bible, uh, that is his New Testament, he'd he, you know, take it out of Matthew, he, 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 you know, like, he'd roll it up, he'd smoke it. And then he he basically smoked through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay, until he got to the book of John. And for some reason, he decided, maybe I'll read before I smoke it. And he starts to read the gospel of John. And when he starts to read the gospel of John, though he had gone to church as a kid, it's as if he was reading the gospel of John for the very first time. He started to read these promises that Jesus would speak, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and life. You know, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the bread of life. He who, he who believes in me will hunger no more. And, and, and he, was, he was reading all these different promises. And it started to impact and touch his life in a way that caused him to have hope like he'd never had before. And just through reading the Gospel of John, there in that hospital, he became a Christian. And he experienced revival. And he, was gone, he, and he eventually shed that addiction to drugs Once he was, uh, while he was still picking up his, the pieces of his life together. One day, he met this girl called Tommy. Tommy, she's a very beautiful woman. She, she was a model. Uh, she was also a very intelligent woman. She had numerous degrees in psychology. She was a, a professional psychologist. And you know, she would talk with Earl and say, Earl, I don't understand it. It's like your life right now is still a mess. You're still picking the pieces of your life together. And yet you have this peace about you. And I look at my life, and I've got everything that a woman you think would need. I've got a good job. You know, my life is sorted out. You know, but why is it that you are so much happier, more peace than me? And it was through those conversations that Earl eventually led this girl, Tommy, to Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, it was as if when she received Christ into her life, she realized the missing piece of her life. Eventually, in fact, you know, Earl and Tommy uh, started to date. They got married, and both of them started attending uh, seminary school together uh, to become people who would serve God with their careers. See, what happened there? Earl found the word of God that revived his life, and then he found a woman of God who became his wife. Amen. It was the word of God And then the woman of God that came into his life. And in the same way, the reason I tell you that is because God's word has the power to revive you. Look at Psalm 19, verse 7 with me. 1, 2, 3, it says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. What does it say? It says, the instructions of the Lord revive the soul. God's word has the power to revive you. Psalm 25 says it this way. It says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. Everyone say, revive Look at Psalm 119, 107. What does it say? It says, I am very afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. And look at another translation of it in the message translation. What does it say? It says, everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. See, God's word has this power to revive you to encourage you, to comfort you, to restore you, and to put your life together again. When your life is falling apart, the word of God is there to put your life together again. If you believe that, say amen. And since God's word has the power to revive you, it means we need to spend time in God's word. We need to spend time reading the word of God, reflecting on the word of God, hearing the word of God, memorizing the word of God. Let me ask this question. How much time do you personally spend in the word of God? Because you know, let me tell you this, there is no revival without the word of God. Praise God, in the next day or so, we have an opportunity as a church to rediscover the word of God together over 40 days we call it the game challenge i'm going to tell you about that in just a bit but i'm going to end today with one last thing that josiah did that you and i need to do if we want to experience revival on revival road number three write this down is remove the god obstacles remove the god obstacles if you want to experience revival in your life number one reunite with god's people Number two, rediscover God's word. Number three, remove the God obstacles. See, the third thing that Josiah does to usher revival in his nation of Judah is he begins to remove the God obstacles in his nation. What are God obstacles? Have you heard that before? It's a phrase that I've just coined, which stands for anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God. And in Josiah's case, the most obvious form of God's obstacles in his nation at the time were all these shrines and altars and sites that his dad had put up that were being used to worship idols, both in the temple of the Lord and all around his nation. And so in verses 4 through 20 of chapter 3, 23 of Second Kings, we read of how Josiah, he's now going from place to place area to area, site to site in his nation to destroy and take away those shrines, altars, and sites. Look, for example, at verse four. Look at verse four with me. Read in a loud voice with me. Help me preach right now. One, two, three, it says, the king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hopes. These are different idols that were worshiped. Look at, keep on reading. It says, he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. Look at verse 10. What does verse 10 say? Read it with me. It says, He desecrated Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hidom, so that no one could use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire to Moloch. See, what what did he do? He went to the same place where his brother was sacrificed, and he said, No more of this. I'm not going to have any more children in my nation being sacrificed to the God of Moloch. And so what does he do? He goes to that very place where his brother was sacrificed in the valley of ben Hinnom, And he says, I'm, I'm going to remove the site here. No more child sacrifice from now on. Keep on going. He says in verse 12, he says, he pulled down the altars the kings of Judah had erected on the roof near the upper room of Ahaz. And the altars Manasseh had built in the two courts of the temple of the Lord. Keep on going. He said, he removed them from there, smashed them to pieces through the rock into the Kidron Valley all these action verbs like you know smashed removed break down pull down in fact you're not gonna find more action words and verbs in one place than right here in the Bible that's the one place right there keep on going it says the king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem on the south of the hill of corruption stop right there stop right there what's the hill of corruption you know what the hill of corruption is the hill of corruption was not always called the hill of corruption you know what the hill of corruption is? The hill of corruption is called the Mount of Olives, and the hill. Of, but it became a place where people would worship and sacrifice to all sorts of gods. they would do, they they, they had Moloch there, the one that they would sacrifice children to, different different types of gods, look at that. Look at verse, uh, next next one, 13, it says, the one Solomon king of Israel built for Ashtoreth, that was one of the other goddesses, where a lot of vile stuff was taking place, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and of course Moloch, the detestable god of the people of Ammon. And Josiah, he goes to this place called the Hill of Corruption, and he removes all the sites, all the altars, all the shrines, he removes them all. And how many I know that 600 years later, someone else by the name of Jesus, he would use this hill of corruption and turn it into a place of prayer. You guys know that? And it just goes to show that when God is working in your heart, you're going to start taking places that were defiled, places that were not pleasing to God, and you're going to turn them into places of prayer places of worship, places where Jesus would say, not my will, but yours be done. That's where he did it. It was on the hill of corruption, which he turned into the Mount of Olives. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. What's going on? Why are we talking about this? Look at verse 14. What does it say? Verse 14 says, Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and covered the sites with human bones. See, what's going on? Josiah, why all this smashing and throwing and breaking and burning of stuff? It's because he's physically removing obstacles that are getting in the way of his nation worshiping God. And you know, what can we learn from all these action verbs? Oh, you know, smash, break down, tear down, pull apart, pull down, is this, write this down. Removing God obstacles requires that you take action. It's not just about you thinking about, oh, it would be nice if I went to church Oh, it'd be nice if, you know, we worship God more. Oh, it'd be nice if I knew the Bible a little bit better. Oh, yeah, I think we should change that. No, it's about taking action. It's not just about thinking about it. It's not just about dreaming about it, but it's about saying, I'm going to do something about it. If you believe that, say amen. See, and that's why there's so much action in this 2nd Kings 23 chapter is that Josiah, he's like the Super Mario of the Old Testament. No one does more smashing and breaking of stuff than Josiah. I can almost hear the Super Mario theme song going on in the background while he's breaking shrines. And and he's just doing all those things. Is that a little too childish for you guys? Is that a little too childish? Maybe I'll use a bit like a, a, a like a, 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 a a, a rougher or tougher song how about uh how about you know have you guys seen justice league the, the film justice league oh, there, there's a theme song there that i love it's a Beatles song called come together you guys know that here come on flat top he come grooving up slowly he come. I, I could just see i could see josiah in the midst of that he's like he's he's in the midst of that soundtrack he's he's tearing down idols he's here come on flat top. He comes sh- grooving up slowly. He comes sh- juju eyeball. He comes sh- holy roller. He got sh- hair down to his knees. Got to be a joker. You just do what he please. Ow! Amen. See? what's he doing? He's taking action. Everyone say, take action. Take action. See, what, what is that? See, if Josiah were to do that in our day, here in Vancouver, Canada, you know what people would say? That guy is a bigot. That guy is intolerant. That guy is dangerous. And that guy certainly is not politically correct. Why can't you accept all religions in your land, Josiah? But here's the thing you need to understand. Josiah, he had seen personally how worshiping idols had destroyed his family. He's seen how worshiping idols resulted in his father going insane. He saw how worshiping idols resulted in his brother being sacrificed in a fire. He, he saw how worshiping idols resulted in a nation that was supposed to worship God, now constantly being attacked by other enemies because they were worshiping other gods. And that's what you're gonna find is that when you're not worshiping God, you're gonna find that it's so easy to be attacked by the enemy. You become vulnerable to enemy attack when you're not worshiping God, when there's no revival going on in your life. And see, Josiah, he'd seen the fruit of these different gods that his dad and the nation had worshiped, and he realizes the fruit of this kind of worship is rotten. And he quickly realized that not all gods are created equal. And when Josiah, at 16 years old, he starts to seek the Lord. From 16 years old, he realizes there's a difference that the Lord makes. That when I worship God, it's not like that other stuff. It doesn't bring death, it brings life. It doesn't bring fear, it brings faith. It doesn't bring anxiety, it brings peace. It doesn't bring fear, it brings courage. And, and he starts to experience how personally there is a, a confidence, a hope, a joy, a peace that I experience. Josiah saying, when I worship the Lord and I want everyone I know to experience that, that's what we were made for. If you believe that, say amen. And can I tell you today, Josiah lived in 640 BC, it's 2018, in case you didn't know, and can I tell you this, that to this day, those who worship the Lord continue to experience the difference that the Lord makes when we make room for him. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Even to this day, 2,000 and 2,500 years later, for example, you know, just a few weeks ago, my good friend Benz, you know, he received Christ into his life, prayed a prayer to say, Jesus, come into my life, and, uh, and he got baptized earlier today. When I asked him, you know, just a couple days ago, like, what, what made you decide to get baptized? He said, you know what, in Jesus Christ, uh, I have a peace that I, found, I have not found anywhere else. That's what he said. There's a peace in Jesus that I haven't found anywhere else. And here, you know, to tell us more about the difference that worshiping the Lord has made in his life. I just want to right now invite Joey to come up. Joey's going to share a little bit of his story and why he got baptized today. Let's give Joey a big, big hand today this morning. Let's do that right now.
1: Thank you, Pastor JB, for giving me this opportunity to share a little story between me and God. So uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my own business about 13 years ago. And just like all the other young entrepreneurs, we believe the future is in our hands. We believe we're going to change the world. I'm just like one of them. I believe that I control my own destiny. I believe that only I have a say in my life. I make my own decision. It's all about me. So fast forward, 13 years after today, obviously I didn't change the world. However, with the support from my employees and all the customers, I did build a pretty successful business. About four months ago, September 2017, I decided I'm selling the business. So during that you know, due diligence period, or we call it like negotiating period, I started losing confidence. I feel that I was alone fighting against the powerful buyer for the best interest you know, of my company. And also during that period, I was not allowed to talk to anybody about a transaction. So I feel that I was betraying my employees, my suppliers, my customers who has been supporting me since day one. I couldn't talk to anyone. I had lots of pressure and, and causing me you know, keep awake at night. So I tried to talk to God. I prayed, even though I didn't know how to pray at that time. But I could feel that God was listening and I could feel that he responded. He didn't tell me how to do things or what to do, obviously. But I could feel that he gave me peace and he gave me strength and courage to handle all kind of challenges that I was having at that time. I also could feel that he was kind of holding my hand, helping me deliver the messages to all the employees, to all the people who I care of. And successfully, the you know, the transaction was done in October last year. You know, smoothly and successfully. After that, I started coming to church. I started reading a little bit of Bible. I started researching on existence of God. I really want to know who that person is, who God is. And about four or five weeks ago, during one sermon here at X5 Church, Pastor JB was talking about boundary. And he said something like, God is a gentleman. He stands outside of your door and knock. He's not going to come in until you open your door, until you invite him. No matter how desperate God wants you to have that relationship with you, no matter how desperate God wants you to know him, he's not going to invade you unless you open your door because God respects you. And at that moment, I could feel that God has been standing outside my door for so many years. I was born and raised in a very traditional Chinese family. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know God. I didn't worship God. I challenged him. I questioned him. I did whatever I could to push him away. I ignored him in some way. However, I know that by the fact that God was there. He didn't quit on me. He was there holding me. Whenever I was struggling with all kinds of addictions or temptations, whenever I was lost, whenever I feel that I was alone, I know that God was there holding me. He didn't give up on me. He didn't forget about me. So at that moment, I told myself, I'm surrendering myself to God. And this is the God. So today, why do I want to get baptized? Because I don't want to be a stranger to God anymore. And I want to have that relationship with God. I want to have a newborn. I want to be a newborn Joey Lynn. And I need a Savior. And last, I want to say thank you to my friends who come here today. My sister, my brother-in-law, and Celia who brought me to church. Of course, I want to say thank you to God for never quit on me. Praise God. Thank you.
0: One more time for Joey. Let's give him a big hand right now. Praise God. Tell your neighbor and say what a difference the Lord makes. Today we've been talking about removing obstacles. And how many of you guys know that really is what the gospel is all about is that you know if you study other religions you're going to find that it's like an obstacle course if you want to reach god you have to climb over this you have to do this you have to pray this way you have to do that you have to you know go go to the certain place you have to you have to do all these different things to kind of get to god if you can pass all the obstacle courses the the, the thing about jesus that makes him so different is he doesn't give you an obstacle course that you have to somehow by your own strength get through to make to god he knew that all of us we already have enough obstacles to god as it is all of us we are already separated from god because of our sin all of us we have no way of reaching god no matter how hard we try no matter how good we think we are no matter how good we try to be that no not, not there's not a single one of us who can get to god on his own but because god loved you and because he, God, God loved me, he sent Jesus Christ for us. He said, I'm going to get Jesus, my son, to be born into this world and to live the life that none of you could live. I'm going I'm to have my son do the obstacle course, and he's going to do it perfectly. Better than any American ninja, better than any kind of competition. He's going to do it all. He's going to do it all. He's going to do it in perfect time. And because of that, if anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, then that perfection is given to you too. That acceptance is given to you too. Forgiveness of your sins given to you. Because Jesus, not only would he put himself through that obstacle course and make it in perfect time, he would also die on the cross to pay for your sins so that nothing ever will have to separate you from God again. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place. That's what Jesus does. Come on, give God a big shout in this place right now. Come on. And the Bible says if you will trust in Jesus and put your faith in him, that your sins will be forgiven. God gives you a brand new identity, a child of God, and he, he gives you a brand new life, a life and a relationship with Jesus. What a difference the Lord makes if you believe that, say amen. And you, when you worship the Lord, the effect of that is love, joy, confidence, peace, wisdom, strength perseverance and so today I'm going to ask you this question which is God has already sent Jesus Christ to remove every obstacle that he can remove so you could be with him are there any other obstacles today that you need to remove so you can have a close relationship with God in 2018 you know maybe it's not necessarily an idol that you are physically bowing down to and you're know, presenting oranges to you know maybe maybe it's something else that you're bowing down to maybe it's money maybe it's your own popularity. You're just consumed by that. Maybe it's, you know, a certain friendship or relationship in your life that takes precedence over even your relationship with God and to become an idol in your life. You know, maybe for some of you, it's about removing something from your schedule. Maybe, you know, it's something where you're just so busy on a Sunday morning you can't even come to church can't worship God, that's a God obstacle. Time to say, you know what? i got to switch my schedule around. Yeah, I, got, I know my kids got a class. Yeah, I know that my, my boss scheduled me to work, but let me see if I can work around it so I can remove that obstacle so I can come to church on a Sunday and do those things on another day. You know, maybe it's about letting go of the past. Maybe that's your God obstacle. Maybe it's a relationship in your life that you just have to readjust because it's not very healthy right now. Maybe that's the obstacle. See, all of us, we have God obstacles that even till this day, even if you're a Christian today, that can still get in the way between you and God, I'm here to tell you in 2018, God wants you to experience revival. He wants you to experience revival. But if you want to experience revival in your life, it's about saying, like Josiah, I'm not going to let these obstacles get in the way of my life with God anymore. I'm going to set them aside. I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to break some stuff if I need to, to get to a place where revival can take place in my life. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place. It's about removing obstacles in the name of Jesus. Tell your, neighbor, uh, tell your neighbor, say, remove the obstacles. What obstacle is in your way right now that you need to remove in 2018 so that you can have a better relationship with God? You know, today I've given you three ways that we can experience revival in 2018. We want to reunite with God's people. We want to rediscover the word of God. We want to remove God obstacles. And, you know, today, starting today, we're going to be doing something as a church that is going to allow us to do all three of these things. Over the next 40 days, we have something called the Game Time Challenge. Where for 40 days, January 8 to February 24, we're going to challenge each of you to have a daily time with God every day. Give God a big, big hand for the Game Time Challenge right now. That's what we're doing over the next 40 days. And what it is, is it can be five minutes. If you don't have time with God right now, if you don't have a daily habit of that, it could be five minutes. Or it could be 10 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. It could be half an hour. It could be one hour. It's up to you. But the goal of the challenge is to help every adult and every teen here at Thrive to develop the habit of a daily time with God where we read God's word and rediscover it. Where we, you know, spend time praying and drawing near to God. And you know, maybe you've never read the Bible before or not much of it. This is an awesome way to get started. And just really quickly, this morning, I'm going to let you know how you can sign up for the game challenge. Many of you have already. Some of you are here to play and you're hearing for the first time. We want to encourage and invite you to be part of the game challenge as well. It could be something really cool, one of the best things you can do in 2018. How does it work? Well, let me tell you how it works. Step number one, there's a card that's on your seats this morning. You can grab that card. It's a sign-up card for the game challenge. Write your name, your email, and that's going to set you up for the next thing. Step two, you want to pick up a game booklet. Everyone say a game booklet. The GAME stands for the God in Me Experience. It's a book we've developed where it's just, it's just a Bible passage every day, a short passage you can read. Uh, there's also a game challenge guide that we're going to give you uh, that you're going to take with you to, 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 that basically describes the steps we're talking about right now. Step three is every day, you're going to take a little bit of time to read a bit of the Bible, that passage every day. Take some time to think about it. Take some time to reflect on it. Maybe write out a prayer or pray to God based on it. And then another one is step four, which is every day take some time to be still in God's presence, not to rush, not to hurry, because hurry is the death of prayer. You just kind of spend even five minutes relaxed, being still in God's presence, worshiping God and praying. Step number five is we recommend this one, is that you can read the Pastor JB Game Time Sharing email that we send to you guys every day. If you're blessed by uh, you know, the game emails that I send every day, say amen. Amen. A lot of people find it really helpful. So it's where I'm reading the same passage you are, and I'm saying, hey, just in case you're not really sure what to learn from this passage, here's what I learned. Hopefully it encourages you. Step number six, take the TDS equipping class on how to have a daily time with God, especially if you don't know how to have a time with God. This class is one of our best classes that we offer. It's free. It's online. and we will email that to you. Then step number seven, you can go to a small group and just start sharing with people about what you're learning in your game time or what challenges you're experiencing, what questions you're having as you do it. Step number eight, you do steps three to five, read God's word, spend time in his presence, read that email I send. If you do that every day until February 24, 2018, then guess what? You've beat the game challenge. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place. That is the game challenge we're doing together. And... Uh, you know, last year, we had different people do the game challenge, and, and they wrote this about their experience. I shared some of them with you last week. Let me share a few others with you. Someone said, by doing the game challenge, I became more aware of God's presence throughout the day. I found myself talking to him and thanking him a lot more. I was constantly reminded that the purpose uh, in everything I do is to glorify him and that he wants to use my talents to serve him. The promises in the Bible became words I hung on to instead of just random quotes that I found. God has been giving me a new identity, and I can sense him wanting to pursue me and be involved in all areas of my life by doing the game challenge. Give God a big, big hand for that. That's really cool. Someone else wrote something, something very simple. He just said, by doing the game challenge, I feel my relationship with God growing deeper and stronger. Uh, Someone else said through the game challenge I've learned to make my game time with God my priority first thing in the morning It helps me and gives me so much strength throughout the day to face. Whatever comes my way Uh, Someone else said, you know through the game challenge God has increased the desire in my heart to know him to seek him and to experience his power and you know What we want to do is you're gonna find that if you do the game challenge with us over the next 40 days There's a prize involved first individually, you know, you're gonna have a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit you're going to have a deeper understanding of the Bible, God's word. You're going to have a habit of a daily time with God. You're going to actually have a daily relationship with God, which is great. You're going to be able to hear God better. You're going to have more peace in your heart and be more at more rest. You're going to have more hope in your life, more joy, more wisdom, and you'll be more like Christ in your character. If those aren't good prizes, then I don't know what is. If you believe that, say amen. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for the game challenge this morning. In fact, even while I'm talking right now, right now is the time where you can grab your, your sign-up form and start writing. Use that really good Thrive pen that's on your, on your seat and start signing up for the game challenge. We'll be collecting those sign-up cards in just a minute. And uh, what we want to do, we want to encourage everyone here at Thrive to sign up for the game challenge. Our goal is to have 100 people do the game challenge with us. And if you already have the habit of daily time with God, sign up for the game challenge. It's going to encourage other people, but it's also a way for you to challenge yourself. Everyone say, challenge myself. Challenge yourself to do something that maybe you don't normally do in your time with God. Maybe you already have a time with God, but I'm going to challenge you. Say, three days a week. See if you can pray for half an hour straight. Try studying a book in the Bible that you haven't studied before. See if you can summarize each chapter with a couple sentences. Try memorizing scripture. In fact, one young man, he gave himself an assignment this past year to memorize scripture. And he said this. He said, after memorizing Philippians 4, 4-13 as part of my game workout, I found that God's words in my heart helped me with maintaining a calm attitude no matter what I'm facing every day. Even during my exams last week, I felt extremely peaceful, though I usually would get quite nervous right before exams. Being able to recite the verses anytime keeps me more focused on God throughout the day. If you believe that, say amen. And lastly, I told you guys we'd have a, a challenge for the small groups, because we want every person to be in a small group. Here's a challenge for the small groups here. Is that if 80% of your small group members who sign up for the game challenge finish and beat the game challenge, then everyone in the small group who signed up gets a prize. And what prize is that? You get your very own Thrive prayer journal. Everyone go, Wow. value, you get a Thrive Prayer Journal that's really, really cool. Uh, You can buy it for $10, but you can get it for free if you do the game challenge with your small group. Praise God, the best is yet to come. Have you learned something in this place this morning? Has this been helpful this morning? We want to be a church that experiences revival every single day of our lives. God is a God of revival. Thrive Church is a church that longs for revival every single day. God changing our lives every single day, every single weekend, every moment. We want to pray together right now. And so I want you to stand right now. Give your neighbor on your right and your left. Give him a high five and say, God wants to revive you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to revive you. Amen. Why don't you pray this prayer after me right now and say, Lord Jesus. In 2018, in 2018, I want revival. I
1: want revival,
0: I want revival in me, I want revival in, in, me my home, in my home, in my city, in my, city, in my, church, in my church, in my family, in my, family, in my relationships. In my relationships. Lord, revive Lord, Lord, revive me. Revive me in 2018. Me in 2018. Help, me Help me to reunite with God's people, to, with God's to, rediscover word, to rediscover your word, and to remove every obstacle. That would get in the way between you and me. I invite you, Holy Spirit, come and fill my life. I thank you that in 2018, the best is yet to come because you are with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give God a big hand, a big shout. in this place together right now? I said, can we give God a big hand, a big let's place right now? Come on.